Hey guys, it's Editing Frankie. Uh, after exporting this episode, we unfortunately noticed that there are a few audio issues. Uh, we did try to edit this for clarity and to kind of get rid of the really glaring bits, but um, some things couldn't be helped. Still, we hope you enjoy the episode anyway, as we really did enjoy making it for you guys. Uh, stay safe, stay at home, and uh, see you in the episode. Hi, I'm E. And I'm F. And this is this a is mini zone. I think we kind of got it there. I don't know. Probably not. Zoom works against us sometimes. But you know what? It's the human nature to keep trying for something, even if the circumstances work against you. Which leads... Yes. Which leads me... Actually, you know, arguably speaking, most human innovation, most human, like, the things that you know we consider to be part of like human life, whatever, are just human beings trying to prove that they can master adverse circumstances. If you really think about it, like cooking, medic medicine, um, clothing, spam. spam, and in the case of this discussion, cosmetics. Cosmetics are symbols of the indefatigable human spirit. Do I sound convincing enough yet, or you're just going to be like, Frankie, you just want to talk about makeup. E. Talk about makeup, F. <laughs> oh, no, no, I want to I correct you there, okay? So cosmetics is not just in reference to makeup. So according to the US FDA, uh-huh. cosmetics, are de- cosmetics are defined as anything that is rubbed, poured, sprinkled, or sprayed on, or introduced to, or otherwise applied to the human body for cleansing, for beautifying, for promoting attractiveness, or for altering the appearance. So literally anything you put on yourself to either make yourself clean or make yourself look good or change something about you is considered a cosmetics. And that includes deodorant and toothbrushing. Soap? Yeah, soap. Soap is actually, and that's actually, like, I'd like to bring that up. Like, if wow. you look at the history of cosmetics, historically, the precedent for, for cosmetics actually has always covered body care, skin care, and what I will call paint because the term okay. make, yeah, because the term makeup to me kind of encompasses cosmetics as a whole. And the reason why I like to use that term is because the term to make up, while it means on one hand to pretend, like, you know, you're making it up, you're lying. The other way, the other definition of to make up as an idiom is to set the order, like you make up your bed. Like, if you ever, I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Have you ever heard that? Like, yeah. you make up yeah, your yeah. bed, you make up your room. It's always had this thing of, like, to set the order. And I like that meaning for makeup more in terms of how it refers to, in reference to cosmetics, because this is, it, it contains this idea of, you know, the external as a reflection of the internal. Uh, a concept I think we're kind of familiar with because, you know, I don't know if you guys have, like, asked, have you heard of, like, the Marie Kondo Conmary movement, that whole, does it spark joy? Yes, my sisters got into it. Honestly, I hate cleaning. But the thought okay. of, I do. But the reason why I think I actually like Conmary, because I, I actually attended a Conmary seminar um, yesterday, uh, is because the way they mm-hmm. talked about it wasn't about, like, it wasn't about having less stuff. The concept behind Conmary is designing your spaces, your home, your room, your desk, to reflect what sparks joy to you. And what sparks joy to you is basically what, um, what makes you feel like the best version of yourself. 
So your space would be a reflection of the best version of you. Your most creative, your most inspired, your most at peace, that kind of thing. You know? So in the sense of if you're thinking about like, you know, if Conmari is like, does my space spark joy? Then makeup is does my face spark joy? <laughs> okay, explain more. The sparking of the joy. Um, so how do I put this? The, the power of the external to influence the internal is very well documented, right? It's so well documented, it's so well known that makeup as a concept actually existed in like prehistoric times. So they've actually been able to find mostly paint, like color stuff, like ochres and clays and stuff like that people put on their face. Fun fact, a lot of the stuff that we, they use in prehistoric times are still in makeup today. Like you see clay even in, in current foundations because it's just, oh. it's, just really, it's just really good for you. Like, yeah. Uh, it really is good for your skin. It, 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 it stops your oil from overproducing itself. It prevents oil from building up so it doesn't accidentally cause a rupture in the sebaceous gland and then you get like a pimple and all that nasty stuff. I'm not a dermatologist, but basically you get the point. There's a functional benefit to, to, to clay. Okay. Um, but anyway, aside from like that functional benefit, so even in, in, historical, in prehistoric times, you had make the, the, the prototypical makeup was protective. So again, that prophylactic like protecting your skin from the elements. It was camouflage because they were hunting, obviously. It was functional. It's like mm-hmm. uniform for them. And it was also part of ritual. It was also a ritualistic thing that they did. And that's interesting because the concept of ritual or why you would have a ritual is because it, it, rituals were a form of communicating something personal and cultural. And that's just, that's been something that kind of continues to today. So if back in the prehistoric times you had makeup as sort of like community ritual, now we have the idea of the personal ritual. Does it spark joy to myself? Does it communicate to myself that I am at the, the tribe of one? If I am the person I need to communicate something to, am I communic- is, does my external, does this practice communicate what I need to know or what I need to feel in this moment? Um, and in, in that regard, cosmetics, the practice of caring for your body, caring for your skin, and, caring and, and making it look good, is not just performative it's not just like i'm doing it because people are going to look at me it's actually got more of a precedent in being communicative and transformative where it is a signal to the self that i of of either something you want to be or something you are am i making any sense i feel like i'm just throwing like four letter four letters i have a question is it like uh for example you're going to an interview and you're nervous about it so what you do is uh you think about the kind of person you want to be when you walk into that interview so mm-hmm. you make up accordingly and then because you see it in the mirror it gives you this boost so that when you enter you actually like your heart matches your makeup <laughs> that makes any it, sense it, it does because actually um the concept of like makeup the word makeup itself started getting used um in theater it started in theater like our concept Ooh. of like makeup was started in theater and what do actors use it for in theater to become a character to become yes the thing that they need to be, right? Not because the audience expectation, but because that it was what they wanted to become this character. They, it was what their art demanded. It was something, in, it was a compulsion. You love the craft. You love the ability to transform. You love what you learn about humanity from that transformation, from becoming those mm-hmm. different personas, right? Which is, which is again, that's, that's, that's a good picture. Like when you go into a job interview and you, that line of just for the job you want, not the job you have. Because if mm-hmm. you can telegraph to yourself, I look the part, 
so I can therefore embody the part. And in fact, uh, until today, um, acting teachers do advise their students to learn how to do their own makeup so that they can become the character. In fact, um, Dita Vontese in her book, Your Beauty Mark, she says that she doesn't have a beauty team to do her own makeup. She wants to be the one to do it because when she is the one who does it for herself, it's almost like she's telling herself, I am becoming who I want to be. And there is that sense of autonomy and control. The ability to control one's appearance, one's physical health, is a visual representation of one's autonomy over one's own destiny. I know. It's so it's a little like how even um, how you dress or like, I'm, I'm just thinking in a coffee shop, right? If you don't know the person, but you look at them and you already start thinking about what their makeup, their clothes, and their activity says about them. So... Mm -hmm makeup becomes part of that uh, reflection. It's like you try to tell people about yourself. That's who I am. It's not, it's not even about telling people. It's about telling yourself. Because I feel like, Ooh, I, don't if you've ever, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I know, we're artists, right? You've ever, you ever experienced um, everybody telling you how good you are, but you don't believe it until you believe it? Yes. Like, everyone can tell you you're like this, like this, like this, but only when you are satisfied and you truly believe that. Like, for me and my voice, I, I'm a singer, right? So everybody would tell me you're a good singer, but it was only when I really learned about my voice and I crafted it into something that I wanted. That's the only time I believed it. That's the only time I can like say to anyone right now, like, yeah, I have a good voice. I just know it because I've trained, I have this knowledge, I've built up the evidence. I've built up enough evidence for myself. It's the same thing with like cosmetics, without with makeup. It's it's okay. evidence for yourself. Think about like, do you remember what people dressed like or whatever like on any given occasion you don't remember do you actually like think about it do you actually remember what people <laughs> wore or what lipstick they were wearing do you remember what other people were wearing for example you and i met up and i yeah. would you remember what lipstick i was wearing that day or what eyeshadow like distinctly remember not unless it was different from the usual <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> like we don't but do you remember your personal i don't know if you experience this i do like i remember events by the earrings I was wearing that day sometimes. Or the, I remember I was wearing this outfit and that's then and then the rest of the memory comes flooding back. Yes. Right? I do. Because and that 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 proves a point. Because you don't care about what other people look like. <laughs> what you care about is what you look like. Because that's that's your 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 physical appearance, the audience of your physical appearance is not actually everybody else. It's it's you. Um and we talked about this like off recording, uh, how there's a very shallow idea of, of, um, of makeup, for example, as being confidence building. But confidence is such a shallow term. And I said, I'd like to introduce the term morale instead of confidence. Because confidence is like, you know, walk into a room and you're like, yes, I'm, I own it. But morale is something, it's, it's more bone deep. It's, just, it's this unshakable belief in your capacity to survive and to craft your own destiny. And to, to you know, it's like in wartime, right? It's like, I can carry on. I can keep living a life and I won't just like survive, I will live, right? That's what morale is used, used to mean. Yes, it's, it's cool actually because morale is a very specific word and it's something that if you're a leader, like a general, you, you don't joke around with that word. It's something that you need if your soldiers are going to keep fighting like they mean it. So, and I, I love how you said that because I'm about to read to you and I hope I don't get copyrighted for this. Please, page turn. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to point out, like, this is from a chapter in Madeline Miller's Compacts and Cosmetics talking about, like, the role of makeup in wartime. And you know that famously, while they rationed everything else, 
they found it, British forces and American forces found it impossible to ration makeup. To the point that, I'm going to try to find it here. Um, so in Britain, makeup might have been hard to find because mostly packaging. Um, it, but it was worn okay. with pride and became a symbol of the will to win. Put your best face forward and encourage the 1942 Yardley advertisement in Churchillian tones. We have to remember that to yield to carelessness is to lower our standard to the enemy. There must be no surrender to circumstances, no giving ground to careless grooming. Never should we forget good looks and good morale go hand in hand. Mm. And that wasn't like, the government wasn't actually like imposing that on people. They actually created those campaigns as a response because people didn't want to part with their makeup because of them, especially women who were entering the workforce because men had to go off to war. They demanded to be feminine, even in like their, they were very happy about wearing pants and stuff, but they demanded to still have feminine aspects like these things. Here, hair and makeup were regarded as critical to wear out. A woman needs cosmetics to look her best, and only when she looks her best can she feel and do her best. Because it was the idea of telegraphing that even in this adverse circumstances, I have control. I am able to like, march into battle in this home front like it was a symbol to the self that i am not gonna give ground to this enemy of uncertainty because world war ii man it was scary man like you know you, you in, in britain especially they were being bombed like this is the blitz okay your house could be ashes the next day and you still put on makeup it's you saying i don't mm. care if my house will be ashes i am not ashes no one has defeated me Right? In the Royal Ordnance Factories, girls were actually given foundation and tinted powder to protect them from dermatitis, but it also served that morale-giving purpose of, like, we know it's not easy to enter this workforce, but you can do it. Look at your face in the mirror. Does that look like somebody who can't? Does that look like somebody who will only subsist? Right? Cool. And this, and I, and yeah, and it I, reminds I, me of Codename Verity. They, they also put makeup. It is about the girls, right? The girls. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit as well. And say that there's okay. precedent in that. Because if you look at, historically, regimes that were the most patriarchal, the most oppressive, and the most limiting, particularly especially to the opportunities for women, there were also regimes and societies that discouraged the use of makeup. And it blew my mind when I thought about it. Like, why um, Hitler famously hated makeup. Like, he... I didn't, I didn't understand why. He just says in, like, I Googled, like, why, does, why did Hitler hate makeup? It didn't say. It just said that he hated makeup, especially lipstick and nail polish. He said that every, the ideal Aryan woman must have, like, freshly scrubbed face. That's it. She must look like the way that she came out of the uterus. Boom. Like, must look like that. Like, there's no, and I'm like, why? <laughs> Question mark? Because it didn't make sense. Like, you know, I, I don't look radically different with makeup on than with makeup off. Like, you know, lipstick it just makes me look slightly less, like I have more blood in my face, basically. But, so why did he hate makeup so much? And then I looked in Athens, um, which we consider to be part of the freedom of man, the beginnings of the freedom of democracy. But actually, for women, you were property, right? So women in, in Athens were discouraged from wearing makeup also. And then Victorian England, where women were just supposed to be homemakers. And there was this idea of, like, the happy family, the woman is at home only, must only be at home. Um, also, no makeup. Why? Why is there this connection between societies, regimes, cultural movements that sought to restrict women and the restriction of cosmetics? Why is there a connection there? I really thought about Why do you think? Like, just try to throw a theory at me. Why would you think that? Based on whatever I've thrown at your face. Oh, well, I was thinking in... Uh, along the lines of morale, since we mentioned it, mm -hmm. or um, 
It's like if, if you give someone something that you know will make them more confident in a certain way, like being able to speak up, I don't know, like the right to vote, for example, in fact, which is a very an extremely basic. It's really cool because yeah. actually the Edwardian period, which is when the suffragettes actually gained ground, um, was a period where women were actually more able to purchase makeup and it was more publicly sold. Ooh, so you're seeing that, that, right? You're seeing how like the more acceptable it is to wear help to put stuff on your face to change how you look the more acceptable it is for you to then try to change your circumstances be it's like to make a personal decision for themselves the more they can make a personal decision for themselves the more they understand maybe the fullness of what it means to be human like choice like choosing who to vote for if i can improve my physical appearance then i can improve my quality of life if I, because like if you think about it, not being able to put on makeup, it's like I have to settle for what I was born with. Like it's natural to me. That's it, right? That's I, I can't change it. It's 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 passive. But when you're able to, when you are encouraged to experiment, to take care of your body, to you know, invest in your skincare, all those things, you start thinking, okay, if I can change my physical circumstances, then I can then I can change, improve actually, because it's all about improvement, right? I can improve then other circumstances in my life beyond my appearance. It starts with the cells and it starts moving outward. And in fact, this is not like some random thing I made up because I'm actually quoting, um, this is something I actually, when I was designing um, the campaign for the brand that I work for, the first ever campaign, like one of the touchstones, so the women I spoke very highly about was this guerrilla general um, during World War II in the Philippines. Um, she was called Commander Liwaiwai, and her name was uh, Remedios Gomez Paraiso. And she was a beauty queen. But when the uh, World War II started and the Philippines was invaded, she dropped all the beauty queen stuff and she ran off to the mountains to become a general. And she was famous. Mm -hmm. She freaked the enemy forces out by marching into battle. Hair did, like she would like, Curled hair, because you know when they were into curled hair back then, like rolled the, the wet set kind of thing. Curled hair, red lipstick, done up makeup, Sunday best level dress uniform. Like it wasn't like a panic, it was like a nice military uniform. And when they asked her, why do you why do you do that? You're gonna get it bloody and whatever anyway. And she was like, Because <laughs> one, it'll freak out the enemy because when they see me like this, they're like, I don't look like I'm worried. <laughs> she she was so not worried about the battle that she decided she'd do her hair. Like it's like you were that insignificant but the other thing is the shen this is our actual quote because i am fighting for the right to be myself mm. when i go on that battlefield when i'm fighting for the my, for the freedom of my country i'm also fighting for my right to decide my own destiny to be myself and that's that's what cosmetics does it gives you power over yourself to remind you that you have power over your circumstances however limited like even in spite of whatever is happening in the world um, you can still thrive and improve like, even in little small ways. Like, you know, celebrate small victories, that kind of thing. And if I think about it, like I was reading an article recently about what trends in beauty are coming up right now. Uh, a lot of it's health-based. And I was like, on the one hand, I was like, okay, it makes sense. Like, you know, COVID-19, health, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought about like, let's think, let's think, beyond, let's think beyond the obvious connection of obviously like COVID-19 and health, right? Why is healthy beauty a thing now? Because if you think about it, in a time where it seems near impossible to stay healthy, there is an invisible virus floating around everywhere that is hyper-contagious and is felling people by the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. It seems so irrational to want to try to be healthy. So to try anyway 
is just so uniquely human. It's a revolutionary act. It's like, you know, I'm fine, fine, Corona. Okay, you're trying to kill me? You're not, you, one, I'm not gonna die. And two, I'm gonna emerge from this Corona cocoon looking even healthier than when you shoved me into it. Like, that just, is revolutionary. It's, it, that's the thing. That's what cosmetics has always been. Personal care. There's this, I forgot where I read it, but there's this very famous, popular feminist line that says self-care is a revolutionary act. That is from Audre Lorde. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Um, so, like, that was, like, it's Audre Lorde who's a, who's a, a feminist, like, a very, very popular feminist. So caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self preservation and that, that particular was a quote in reference to the african-american community where their where their aesthetics mm -hmm. are actually heavily policed right so that it, that's even so to, to care for yourself in these traditional cultural ways we're like saying you cannot erase my identity you cannot erase my thriving and that's true for a community it's true for a cultural community especially like an oppressed community such as you know um the, the african-american the african community black community as a whole so we include African Britons and everyone else, right? You are told you need to be this way, or you are told to be small and insignificant and to just comply. And you are like, no. We 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 have this time where like life is horrible. Life is all life sucks, and then you die, right? Because bad things will always happen to you. And to decide in the face of bad things always happening to you that you will strive for the good, even if it's just your personal good. Is a revolutionary act. It's like it's a, it's an act of defiance. It's like I don't care if the situation tells me that these are gonna be bad. I will not give ground to the badness. I will thrive. Yeah. And it's a little like with that general that you said, she fought to be herself by being herself. I think that in itself is revolutionary. So you don't put aside makeup or um, so what you like to do or what you want to grow in just because it's a something for another time it is there will be a day after this where i will still want to be this and we're still doing this and mm -hmm. i will continue to yeah do as much of it as i can now i will I be myself i'll fight to be myself by being myself and and that's important also to point that out is one reason is because if we think about cosmetics from a performative standpoint that's when the beauty standard thing comes out that's when the you must look this one way comes out whereas if we make it transformative and you make it about autonomy and you make it about you know that that revolutionary act of deciding i will fight to be myself and i will fight to thrive by thriving right by mm, by, yeah. by my inefficient thriving then you open it up to however expression of self-care and that's why i said makeup is not just paint it's not just putting on lipstick because you can participate in this movement without wearing actual face paint you don't have to it can be skincare it can be keeping yourself clean it can be using deodorant every day all these things are part and parcel of these these insignificant things that we do from a social historian perspective from a sociological perspective from an anthropological perspective are actions that in small and tiny ways, but in significant ways, broadcast how much autonomy we still decide we will we will have over our bodies and our certain sectors. Um, and it is again, again, I go back to the word that everyone doesn't like, which is resilience, right? Because it's been used as an excuse to to slack off or whatever. But like personal individual resilience in the mental health field is considered a measurement of human ability to recover from trauma. 
life is okay. trauma. Life is traumatic in general. Mm-hmm. I think that's why human beings develop resilience because it's considered essential to human functioning because life is traumatic. And part of what helps with resilience is a feeling of capacity, a feeling of I am capable, I am able to do, I am able to thrive. Not just to survive, to subsist, to be passive, but I'm able to take action. Autonomy is essential to resilience. And so that's why I think you hear stories of a lot of women who say, I got into makeup because I was anxious. I needed something else. I needed something to control my anxiety. Because in that moment, when you pick up the, you pick up the brush or you pick up this, the, the, the toner or you pick up the soap or you pick up the deodorant or the perfume or whatever, mm-hmm. you are taking control in some small way over your life and your circumstances. I don't care what the world looks like, what my world looks like, because I design my world. I design myself. I refuse to just survive. I will thrive. And that is why even now, like if, if somebody's listening and they're like, you know, it's such a shallow thing to want to look good. No, it's not. Your desire to look good is an instinct is rooted in an instinctive elemental need to demonstrate that you can and will recover from this horrible circumstance and you will come back better and you will come back stronger because you are human and it is literally human the history of humanity and the history of humanity and cosmetics is history of human precedent of coming back from traumatic events stronger and better and and wiser than before think about it that way you know when you want to look pretty not because you care about like going on a date because who can go on a date now right not because you care about attracting the opposite sex no or whatever it's not about that it's about you saying i am not gonna lie down and die and that's important whatever looking pretty or looking good is to you so there's no standard for that right yeah so that's it and that ends my ted talk <laughs> Any, anything you want to say <laughs> awesome no i d- uh well as you know, because you're my friend, um, makeup is not a staple of my daily routine. But, uh, <laughs> but but under your thumb for ten days in Seoul, I did learn how to do skincare without stopping. So thank you and congratulations. Yeah, I'd, like to, I'd like to point out though that no no just 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 the people <laughs> for context. If you go to if you're a tropical girl, because me and F, E are E and F are tropical girls, man. Um, yeah. And you go to Seoul in like almost the it's the beginning of winter which is practically just winter if you're a tropical girl because you've never been in temperatures this cold um you skincare is an act of survival it's not even an act of thriving because if you don't skincare your face will flake off and it hurts and just it's nah so that's why you did it as an act of survival yeah but it it helps so i brought it back to the philippines and i've still been doing skincare for about a couple of years now thank you for taking care of that of your the biggest organ in your body that protects you from the elements please remember that the skin is a functional organ and not just aesthetic one it's really you don't want wounds in that thing (laughs) you want it to protect your your mushy insides from the outside I agree, I agree. Anyway, before this gets super long, my name is F. My name is E. And And go out there and take care of yourselves, but don't go out there. Stay in here, indoors, and take care of yourselves. Yeah.
Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.